The date is Friday, September 3rd, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. This episode, we're talking about Spider-Man. No, not just one, but all of them. The web slinger has been portrayed by three separate actors in the past 20 or so years, and today we're going to have a debate this to settle the score on which of them did it the best. So enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, debating the Spider-Man of the multiverse. Entertain this. She did it herself. Entertain this. <laughs> Are we going to oblige that? Michael, do your part. Entertain this. He always adds in that. <laughs> it's just been a new thing recently since we did that karaoke night. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I'm your moderator for the evening, Chloe, and though I'm a friend of the show and one of the participants' girlfriends, I plan to remain fair and impartial and simply choose the most well-presented argument. So let's begin with our introductions, gentlemen. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm a host on Entertain This, and today I'll be defending Tobey Maguire. Who are you? Me? Oh, who yeah. am I? Oh, yeah, who I'm, are you? I'm just your friendly neighborhood Entertain This host, Michael Savoya. Ooh, we did the Spider-Man. Ooh, we did the Spider-Man. Are we going to do this all kissing time? up. <laughs> <laughs> the first of the podcast, he's kissing up. <laughs> Anyways, I'm... So uh, our debate's already unprofessional. I love this. He's <laughs> openly mocking him. Wait, Michael, who are you defending? <laughs> oh, and I am defending, like the intro said, uh, one Sir Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Wow. Okay. Um, this I'm is Nick. for our I'm listeners also... that don't watch the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Nick. I'm the uh, I'm the other host of Entertain This, and I defending uh, a young man by the name of Andrew Garfield who played in The Amazing Spider-Man. I heard he hates Mondays. I do mm-hmm. too. I really I, do. I heard that Bill Murray hates him. There's a fun fact for you. <laughs> That's kind of random. That's a random fact. Bill Murray hates the fact that he played Garfield. It is literally like if you mention it to him in negotiations, like to get him on your movie, he will immediately tell you no, no matter how far into negotiations you are. <laughs> like, how dare he will, you speak that name to me? He will cut you off immediately. He regrets it so hard. <laughs> He's um, not a cat. Not a cat. He does he got not that like money, it. Though. True. So if you guys remember, this isn't the first time that our podcast has spoken about the man of spiders. No. Uh, we had an episode on Spider-Man a little bit ago uh, where we more so talked about the origins of Spider-Man and how uh, he related to all of us. But in that episode, we said eventually we should do an episode where we debate the three Spider-Men. Uh, I believe it was Michael who actually suggested that. Mm-hmm. So... You did this. Uh, the day after, of reckoning has come, gentlemen. After uh, there will always be a reckoning. After oh, no. the the news of Spider-Man No Way Home, the trailer finally came out officially. There's a bunch of speculation going on, and who knows what's going to happen during that movie. But we found it finally time to do our great Spider-Man debate, and that is what we are here to do today. Burr, 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 burr. Uh, pow, pow, pow. <laughs> Now, that is all the speaking out of term that I will do. This The rest of the show will be led by Chloe, and she will be trying to wrangle us three rowdy boys. <laughs> <laughs> and I will do my level best. <laughs> Just cut our mics, you know? You, know they didn't do in the you have the power. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just cut them. <laughs> I guess she she really can just cut us. Yeah, they had the power to cut off the presidents, but they were like, "Nah, we'll just 
let him fight with the moderator for a few minutes. <laughs> Isn't it more entertaining up, if we just kind of let him do it, right? It's more entertaining if you get to watch the moderator suffer a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey, I'll, just, I'll just leave you uh, with some moderating tip. Uh, muting people does not bring in the views. <laughs> mm. it's letting that them, lively argument that brings letting them noise. letting them argue and letting me eventually say oh will you just shut up man <laughs> <laughs> i just want to say one thing <laughs> i just no, want to say one just... no puppet no puppet you're the puppet <laughs> <laughs> not sure of puppets is <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that's Metallica for all of you who don't know. This isn't our uh, our first debate on the show either. This is actually our third debate this I that know. we've done now. Because we did the first two. The first one ever was the great Hallmark debate where Nick and I debated <laughs> who could pick the worst Hallmark movie. You all won. Everybody we really won. the listener won. But <laughs> Nick and I Nick and I were tortured by having to watch the Hallmark movies. Uh, and yeah. then our second one was the great theme park debate between mm. uh Disney and Universal. Mm-hmm. Now this is the third incarnation of Debate This. A segment that we've had going now, probably probably our longest segment, other than quick this. Yeah, debate this mm-hmm. is the second longest. But Michael, this is actually your first debate. This well, this so baby's was, first debate. This it's my first one on where I get to be park. a part of it. I yeah. was a judge yeah. on the theme park one. However, I was out for the great Hallmark debate. This, yeah, that that's one. My, that's my roommate and friends Danielle's favorite episode because she loves Hallmark movies and also she loves people shitting on Hallmark movies. And also <laughs> because I'm pretty not much there. all we did for an hour straight <laughs> was shit on them. Suffer. <laughs> and suffer we did. <laughs> suffer we did. One large helping of suffering, please. I'll have I'll have a plenty. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, um, let's get right into it. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I used the same randomizer clicker wheel that Alex used to decide who would be debating each Spider-Man to decide what order you would each be answering the questions in. So I ask that you respect that. I, sh- I should have mentioned that's how we decided this. We didn't get to pick our Spider-Man. No. It was randomized and everybody was present when the randomization mm-hmm. was happening. There was no fair. foul play. Everybody watched and we got assigned our Spider-Man randomly that we were going to defend. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. We will begin with our first question, which is... Oh, we got opening statements. Oh, so sorry. We should do that. Let's begin with your opening statements. All right. I will, uh, I'll be the first to deliver my opening statement then. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got a timer there? I do. Uh, that's the moderator's yeah, that's the moderator. job. Not your job, Nick. Don't you worry yeah, about back it. back off, buddy. I better, oh, I better get the timer. <laughs> You're taking my job away. Chloe has one job, and that's it. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will hold until my time has started. All right, um, your time has begun. Since before Iron Man built the suit out of a box of scraps, when Gwen Stacy was still alive and thriving, before Miles Morales was even more than an ink stain on the comic book writer's desk, there was one Spider-Man. He wasn't amazing nor spectacular. He was just Spider-Man. That's all he had, and that's all he had to be. In a world that had all but given up on a successful movie adaptation of comic book heroes, we found ourselves embarrassed to admit that we read comic books at all. Flops such as the 1997 Batman and Robin and the 2000s X-Men were cemented in the minds of Hollywood writers that we, the populace, didn't want a superhero movie, and we didn't trust Hollywood to pull them off. 
Suddenly, out of a liquidation sale, slid the rights to a hero whose popularity had died out with his animated series in 1960, Spider-Man. With the excellent direction of Sam Raimi, who at the time was famous for directing the cult classic Evil Dead, Spider-Man has proven to the public that just being their superhuman doesn't mean that they aren't still people, too. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man will forever be the Spider-Man that saved the superheroes movie and, for many reasons, is the best Spider-Man we could ask for, and I shall prove that today. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Next up, we will have Nick present his opening argument. Oh, I guess that's me. I do have a floor, and I have a chair, too. (laughs) And a Um, ceiling and walls? This is all part of his time, right? Uh, No. Okay. okay. (laughs) You can start my time whenever. Your time has begun. Okay, great. James Abram Garfield was the 20th president of the United States, serving from March to September of 1881. Garfield was shot by an assassin four months into his presidency and died two months later. And in 2012, his great-grandson went on to become one of the greatest men to ever don the moniker of (laughs) Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. The man, the myth, the legend. No other actor can compare to this man's performance on screen. Why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's because he he comes from a long line of Englishmen who can trace their roots of stagecraft back to William Shakespeare himself. Now, you may ask how a dude born in L.A. can have this kind of pedigree. Well, his mother and his grandparents are both from England. Essex, to be exact, and no, I don't know where that is, but listen to his voice and you'll know where he was taught the English language. Furthermore, according to his Wikipedia page, he starred in the role of Romeo in Romeo and Juliet on a a prestigious stage of some sort. I really don't know. Anyways, (laughs) his acting prowess has shown either on the stage and off the stage and on the screen. And he's even been nominated for an Oscar, two Golden Globes, two BAFTAs, as well as his performances in Hacksaw Ridge, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Social Network, and Never Let Me Go. These movie credits stretch 15 years back, and holy moly, what a variety of roles he has played and excelled in. And after he won an award and showed the world that he wasn't just another face in Hollywood, a land notorious for shoving their heads up their asses, he is actually a rarity in Hollywood because he cares and he is a good person. When Garfield won his Tony for lead actor in Angels in America, he dedicated his awards to the LGBTQ community. In the film, he played an AIDS patient at the height of the U.S. AIDS crisis. And he was super gracious when first offered the role in the 2012 film, known as the Amazing Uh, Spider-Man. He'd actually worshipped the superhero as a child and became emotional after putting on the suit for the first day of filming. Being able to play one of his idols on the big screen was a big big impact on the seasoned actor. So, he was kind of born to play this role. And after Tom Holland was selected to be the next Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he only had kind words to say to him. So wow, what a guy. And today, I'm here to tell you all about our boy Andrew and why I think he's the best and why I think his performances are nothing short of uh, amazing. By the end of the debate, you will know the name of Garfield is more than just a fat, lazy cat in the comic of the Sunday paper and more than just a president's last name, you shall know Garfield as one of the best actors to play the role of Spider-Man ever. And that concludes my introduction. Wow, with 10 seconds to spare. Impressive. Wow. Hey, uh, what the fuck? You just making shit up now? It's, <laughs> I, I missed half of your introduction. I can't fact check you on that. But for sure, the very first thing out of your mouth was a lie. <laughs> okay, so what? <laughs> 
I can't tell the truth. I'm going to throw the rest of his opening statement to speculation, please. <laughs> I'm just this like, moderator. Like, this is Spider Man fought okay? Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Very <laughs> interesting <laughs> tactic to throw out lies when your moderator's literally your fact checker. <laughs> yeah, that's why we made you the moderator of this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, I'll, I'll rebut with that. Uh, it's an opening statement. We're not getting points on that, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, um, it's true, but it was away me in the end. Okay, that is the, true. I've made a giant mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you won me over by talking about his Tony Award and Angels in America, so it's totally fine. By the yeah, way, it's good, for, the, it's good for, for this entire debate, are we going by it's like whose line rules? Are we going by like whose line rules? Or it's like the points don't matter? Or like the points matter at the end. Who de- okay. We're going to ultimately decide who the best Spider-Man was by the end of this podcast. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Awesome. Yeah. There will be a winner and, tonight. Well. And, Spider-Man, not who was best in Hacksaw Ridge, because I think we know who that was <laughs> out of the it three was... actors we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, it is your turn to take the stand and present your opening statement, and your time has begun. <clears throat> Good evening, Madam down. Debate Judge and fellow Master Debaters. We are here tonight to answer a single question, one of utmost importance, a question that stands to shape and mold the very fabric of our multiverse. Who is the best Spider-Man? I have been given the duty of defending one Sir Tom Holland and his impeccable betrayal of our web-slinging friend. But what can I possibly say? Does one argue that water is wet? That the sky is blue? That a hot dog is not a sandwich? No. These are facts that are fundamental to our understanding of the world around us. And just like these truths, we too know that Tom Holland's Spider-Man is the best that there is. And that is the gospel truth. But even if my words tonight fail to convince you, take the words of one much greater than I, one who has left his long-lasting legacy as the father of Marvel himself, the late Stan Lee, saying, quotes, it is as if we created a living being to be Spider-Man, and it turned out to be Tom. I rest my case. This is an opening statement, pal. Also, do Damn. you know how good this episode is about to be? I feel bad for anyone who lives their life without listening to this episode, because I can already tell it's going to be a straight-up banger, because we're all like fully understanding the assignment very clearly. It's true. Firing on all five cylinders. Incredible. All right. Are we ready to get into it now? Uh, let's let's think, get deep into I think it. The I time think. has come. Mm-hmm. Our first question tonight is: Who would win in an all-out use-what-you-got street fight? And the first person who will be presenting, and again, this was not given to them beforehand. It will be a complete surprise. Is Alex? You may begin. So the question: Who would win in a bare-knuckle brawl? Tommy McGuire has many advantages over his fellow Spider-Men, some obvious and some a bit deeper. To begin, I want to state that I want to state what everyone is thinking. The webs. Of course, this is an advantage for Toby. Tommy McGuire's Spider-Man is not limited by the amount of webs he decided to pack in his Iron Man lunchbox. A simple tactic to defeat the others, I have to assume, uh rogue spider-man would simply be waiting them out and outmaneuvering their attacks until he has left the only one with webbing thus granting him a huge advantage over his uh, other spider-man 
This is to be assumed that these Spider-Men are exactly alike power-wise, thus any advantage physically is impossible to defend. However, Toby does have one advantage over his adversaries, and that's time. Assuming that we're placing this fight in a world where all three of these Spider-Men have continued to age, Toby will have been Spider-Man for 10 years more than Andrew Garfield and 14 years more than Tom Holland, granting him more skills and a better understanding of not only his powers, but also his two adversaries. And if the Venom symbiote is involved, it's game over since he has been the only one to come in contact with that. So if we're talking black suit, cool, dancing in a nightclub, Tobey Maguire, guess what? I have won. Game over. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Um, the next person who will answer the question, who would win in an all-out, use what you got street fight, is Nick. Oh, <clears throat> my boy, Andrew Garfield. Look at this man, 5'10 and full of muscle. He did some serious training for the films that he was in, and he did all his own stunts. And you can fact check me on that because it's true. Garfield studied the movements of elite athletes, elite athletes and spiders and tried to incorporate them in his uh, on-screen acting, saying, quote, Peter Parker is a boy slash spider in terms of how he moves and not just in the suit. To prepare for this role, he did yoga and Pilates for for the role to be as flexible as possible. So when filming, Garfield has complained, uh, had complained about four months of, of, he completed four months of training and um, to do this physical role and all these stunts, and he found it terribly challenging and exhausting. Even that being said is a testament to his fortitude because the Spider-Man spandex suit was incredibly uncomfortable. Garfield citing it as being so tight he couldn't wear anything underneath. So you can put a little winky face by that if you want to, but there is something to examine with the question of a bare knuckles fight though. Most importantly, against who? Assuming we have a collection of folks who have all played Spider-Man in the same room and it's an all out melee, it's going to be the person who can hide the best. Think of a game in Fortnite. There's 100 versus one. And I've always won every game of Fortnite by simply hiding and let the others duke it out before I can swoop in for the win. However, if we can assume this fight is man-on-man ordeal, we can take the uh, following criteria into account. Observe the level of sheer muscle mass and level of shredness. The intimidation factor, the outward appearance. He's a clear winner on all fronts. In preparation for this podcast, I looked at some pictures of, of, of this man without a shirt on, and I think my heart skipped a beat. He's clearly defined with triceps and biceps and back muscles and even pectorals, all of which are very important in throwing the physical punch. Oh my God. We don't have to get into the physics of it all, but basically we all know Newton's third law. Force is mass times acceleration. So seeing as he has more mass behind his acceleration, the resulting force will be instantly more. And going back to what I was saying before, he's very limber and fast when it comes to fighting. (laughs) Being able to respond to your opponent is key to winning any fight. However, a drawback to having Andrew as my Spider-Man is I don't think he could take a hit. He's too much of a pretty boy to take one to the face and keep fighting. (laughs) So let's just state that. But granted that there's no serious hits landed on him during the fight, he can easily win in a bare knuckles fist fight. To continue this point, I think if we're sticking to the Chad version spectrum here, this man is more on the side of Chad, both on screen and off screen. Well, maybe not off screen, but what are we really talking about here? The man or the actor? But I think he'd win the fight on sheer Chadness alone, if that were measurable in any numeric sense of the word. And I will now yield my time. Wow, you yielded three whole seconds. 
<laughs> you really like to go right up to the buzzer. <laughs> I I love the sudden realization that even though like our visual audience who's watching this live right now doesn't hear us laughing, cackling, and slamming our fists into things as Nick speaks, our audio podcast absolutely will because our recordings continue and cannot be turned off, which is incredible. Yeah, I lost I my hope you mind guys are enjoying when you said that. that your heart nice. fluttered when you looked at Joe's It's true. He's an attractive guy. Yeah. I know. That's probably why I got the part. All I'll right. <laughs> Michael, it is time for you to answer our first question, which again, if we take is a who look would win at in Tom an all out, use what you got. Yes, I agree. He is not the most physically imposing character. He's absolutely the shortest of the three. Um, but what makes him special is not his strength, not his stature, but is his ingenuity. You see, where... Tom Holland's Spider-Man fails to live up to the combat prowess of the others. It is in his tools that make him special. Now, we're in a bare-knuckle brawl here. Uh, tools are not necessarily allowed, but we are counting web, spitter, web spitters. Now, what the other Spider-Men all don't have is his ability to deduce things in combat. As an example, we look towards his initial fight against Captain America, the Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. Um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, looking not only to uh, just subdue his uh, fellow Avengers, uh, he looks for what different ways that he can put them out. Uh, one of these is by tying, uh, by sticking, sorry, he sticks things, uh, by sticking his opponent's arms and bodies to the ground around him. He himself came up with his own webs, his own solution, one that is stronger than both the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He also, while in midair, is able to clearly uh, diffuse the Falcon's flight thing. I don't know what it's called. His wings, I guess, his motor. Uh. But it is through these clear examples that Tom Holland, well, yes, you put him up against a heavyweight and he's not going to be knocking him out very quickly, he will make that fight last and he will find his own way to come out the winner over anyone else. I yield my time. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. We have now entered the optional rebuttal stage of question one. If anybody has been sitting on anything that someone else said that they would like to call bullshit on, now is your time. Hey, I guess I guess some. Uh, excuse me, please use the polite debate uh, raise of one finger that is taught to us in school, but Michael can go first. Okay. Nick, I got problems here, buddy. Oh, I know. You're arguing for Andrew Garfield. That's right. Not for Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. You uh, see, everything that you had brought up is how would Andrew Garfield do in a fight? Mm. I think if you were to put Andrew Garfield in a bare knuckles brawl fight against e either Spider-Mans, he would clearly come out the loser. I would like it to add on to this. Much, yeah, it doesn't matter how much training, yoga, or anything, or how good he looks shirtless. <laughs> he will still fa fail and be the loser in the end. Um, before Nick answers, I just want to add on to that. He mentioned specifically training in different forms of martial art, which Peter Parker would not know, being that he did not gain that ability through being bitten by the spider. So that should be taken off the record. <laughs> it's stricken. 
Thank you. Um, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you guys are trying to weasel your way out of this. I just want to know about the actor and how he could fight in a... Uh, yeah, but that's a, because you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> well, I did try, so... <laughs> <laughs> he can't play dirty like that. Call his ass out. <laughs> uh, and, I'll allow it. And word to, to Michael, who mentioned um, his gadgets that would be available... Um, I would assume they would be available in this bare knuckle brawl, but what happens once they are used up? I would also argue that there's some sort of power that is powering Peter Parker's suit because it has to be powered to even hold to his body. What happens once that is uh, depleted if he is wait if they wait him out long enough without allowing him to charge his suit? You see, I hear that. I hear that. But if we are taking tools of the trade into account, I have but one tool to mention to you. Instant kill mode. If if it hits, <laughs> which it does, <laughs> if it hits, well, with with spider sense on all three of us, it doesn't necessarily hit because there's sort mm -hmm. of a a precognition to the spider sense. But if so. we are also taking into account all of the tools, then we are leaving out essentially the assistance of one of the smartest men in the world. Oh, no, no, no. We don't get to bring in Tony Stark. Well, why I said not? use what you That's got. That's where all his tools Because he's not from. a because he's another nope. person. This is nope. bare knuckles one on one on one. You can't bring in a second. I don't it's even think you should be bringing in tools in the first place. Web that's fair. Do count. See, that's Web what I argue fair. for. But if you're going to bring in tools into this where all his tools got to be powered by something, then, hey, I think his tools are going to get the job done faster than they're going to be what, not powered. I think Where's my, the disagreement here? What is the... It's I think my argument still stands brawl. that Street you both fight. will run out of web fluid before... Toby yeah, Maguire if runs we're going out of I think that's possible. Knuckles, I think that's then possible. Toby Maguire doesn't run out. Y'all don't have That's nothing. my argument. Okay. You have nothing but the the clothes on your back, I mean, a shirtless man, and big beefy muscles. Okay? To be clear, all three of our Spider-Men have been shirtless at some point, but I think <laughs> but I would looked, I will close better? deliberation there. <laughs> I who think better with that yeah, shirt on. I think they all have been shirtless, but I think I think Honestly, yours, Alex. I think I think yours. Toby McGuire looked the best. Toby McGuire, yeah, yeah. I think Toby McGuire might have been the most pudgy. pudgy. He looked the most chiseled. I think he was definitely the one who was not on steroids. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for your rebuttals, gentlemen. We'll end that segment there, and we will be moving we're on a, to questions. We're here. a half an hour in, and we have one question under our belt. I believe. Objection. The winner <laughs> of question one <laughs> is Toby McGuire. Fuck. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I, I agree. Right. Sick. Okay, cool. I also Thanks. Agree. <laughs> I do love that. I Thank like you validation. guys. Okay. At the end of the day. Question number two Who takes on the best villains? Now, this is a particularly interesting question for the Spider Man multiverse because Spider Man has some of the best villains. And it's interesting to see who they chose to include in the movies. So for this question, we will begin with our friend Michael and our little guy, Tom Holland. All right. <laughs> Villains come in all shapes and sizes. Just as a villain can be a galactic space Stalin working to crush all under his might, so too can it be your homecoming date's father or disgruntled tech worker. You see, variation is the spice of life. And in Tom Holland's movies, we see no greater disparity. 
Scale is an important measure of villainy, but what makes the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man great is just that. A villain's goals may be just to terrorize the General Queen's area or intergalactic conquest. But no matter what, Tom Holland's Spider-Man will be there to lend a friendly hand. Why, even in our introduction to this version, we don't see him take on a traditional villain. No, we see him pitted against his fellow Avengers. Can your Spider-Man say that at any point they fought toe-to-toe against the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, as well as Captain America? I don't think so. His next challenge was of the more local variety, the Vulture. A businessman trying to do at the end of his day is just look out for his family. He has no delusions of grandeur. He makes no attempts to take over the world, but he is compelling nonetheless. For why should Tony Stark be able to profit from selling weapons, but upon seeing the light be praised as one of the world's greatest heroes? Is it wrong to use tech that's left behind from these grand battles to use to further oneself? I don't think so. How about Mysterio, a disgruntled former employee of the now deceased Tony Stark? Who hasn't been mistreated by an employer, especially when it's the world's largest tech company? While the combat may not have been the most earth shattering, it was still better than what either of yours contended with. Last but not least, we have a character that was teased six years in multiple films, the legendary Thanos. No other Spider-Man can say that they nearly subdued Space Grimace, even if it was with the help of some of his friends. With the fate of half the universe at stake, without the help of Spider-Man, this MCU's entire universe would look entirely differently. Again, I say that Tom Holland's Spider-Man has seen the greatest variation of villains, both in scale and motivation, all of which felt human to the core. And that is the basis of any good villain. Thank you very much. Well done. All right. Next up, to tackle this question, who takes on the best villains is our friend Nick. Oh, 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 that's me. That's you, buddy. <laughs> so uh, when we look at these two movies that our, our boy Andrew Garfield has starred in, um, they really don't give him much justice. Uh, there's two movies, and he maybe fights three to four villains, depending on who you ask. Um, so... Obviously, I'm down here. You know, I'm. I'm. This is the underdog candidate. If we're gonna go with presidential debates style here, <laughs> so the first villain that he fights in the first movie, as I can gather, is called uh, the Lizard, uh, which is which is quite a name. Anyway, uh, his name is Kurt Connors, otherwise known as the Lizard. He is a, a geneticist researching the ability of certain reptiles to regrow missing limbs. He developed a lizard. DNA-based serum that can allow humans to do the exact same, and of course, as all mad scientists do, tested it on himself, hoping to regain his missing right arm. Instead, he transformed into a feral anthropomorphic lizard, so he's got a serious leg up on other villains just based off being a a lizard, uh, a cold-blooded reptilian. Assuming you're attacking him with punches and bullets or chainsaws or something like that, it doesn't matter, because he can just regrow his limbs. You can probably uh, rip that glove off of Thanos and his hand will disappear or something like that, but he can't regrow it. It will instead be trapped inside the the power glove for all time. I forgot the name of the uh, Infinity Stone holder. But anyways, uh, this <laughs> lizard person can regrow his limbs. So all fighting against this guy is going to be just flat out silly. You need to go straight for the high explosives. The only way to truly defeat him is to completely destroy his mortal being. 
or doing whatever they did to him in the movie, reversing the serum's hold on his psyche or whatever they did. But now his motives are pretty good too. The lizard plans to make all humans lizard-like by releasing a chemical cloud from Oscorp's tower to eliminate the weaknesses that he believes plague humanity. It's interestingly enough, this is based on a real-life transformation of Mark Zuckerberg into the lizard person we know and love on Facebook <laughs> every day. You see what I did there? Because Andrew Garfield played the social network guy too. Anyways, next villain in the next movie, Electro. He got his powers from fixing a high-tension power line and getting electrocuted, subsequently falling into a tank of genetically engineered electric eels which grant him his electric powers. Classic sure, that stuff. makes sense. Now he works for Harry Osborn, who I can gather is Ozzy's son. He's obsessed with Spider-Man in the worst of ways. And now, I don't know if you know this, but electricity is an element super powerful in the real world. So the human body is capable of feeling all the way down to three amps or more. Um, seeing as Electro can create electric arcs that are several thousand feet long, that's a lot of power. And if you've ever stuck a, a fork or a knife in an electrical outlet... That really hurts, right? That's only 120 volts. Now imagine that times 100 or times 1,000. That's a tremendous amount of pain. So yeah, Electro, S-tier villain in my book. And also... Thank uh you, Nick. That is your Uh time. Oh. (laughs) First cut off of the evening. Yeah, people are really getting... She fucking got you. People are really getting cut off in this world, huh? They're just just taking us out left and right. That's crazy. I didn't have any more. To be fair... You gave a lot of credibility and interesting points to some lackluster villains. <laughs> <laughs> they did Shot not do their best on those. Alrighty. And last but not least, Alex will be presenting his argument for the Sam Raimi movies. Though some of my colleagues may look towards the villains that, yes, Spider-Man helped to defeat, but weren't necessarily his villains, or will spend his time simply explaining the villains' intentions, never truly going into who they are, uh, that shall not be the case for Sam Raimi. Uh, The all-star list of villains that Toby has taken on is astounding. We're talking heavy hitters like the Green Goblin, Venom, Sandman, and of course, Dr. Otto Octavius, Doc Ock. But... I feel it is unfair to argue simply by name dropping these incredible villains, being that Sam Raimi did have first dibs. Uh, Instead, I will try to focus my argument on what makes these villains, who at the time no one knew, so great. There is a certain secret formula that makes a Spider-Man movie great. It is one part, of course, a great supervillain who Spider-Man has to beat up, but the other part is the moral dilemma that forces Peter to be more than just Spider-Man. The reason why the villains in the Raimi trilogy hit so hard is because they all not only know and often despise Spider-Man, but also are deeply rooted in not only Peter's life, but also his heart. Take, for example, Norman Osborn, who plays the crazed Green Goblin in Spider-Man 1. He was the father of Peter's best friend, Harry Osborn, and was a surrogate father to Peter, constantly telling him how proud he was. This developing relationship between Peter and Norman raises the stakes on each encounter that they have with each other. And in the final fight, when, spoilers, Norman Osborn dies, we see a Peter who is once again forced back to square one, unable to save someone that he loves. Therefore, Tobey Maguire's villains are the best because they have ties to Spider-Man and Peter. A second example would be Dr. Otto Octavius, who actually was a mentor, hero, and inspiration for Peter in the second Raimi film. And it continues from there. I yield my time. Thank you, sir. 
Alex, you raised some great points about how Sam Raimi gave a lot of emotional depth to his villains. And Nick, like I said, you really pulled out all the stops and gave us some backstory on the amazing Spider-Man and how those villains were incorporated into the story. But this one's got to go to Michael, guys. He we was didn't right. do a rebuttal segment. Well. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Allison, uh, you guys Michael got one won. shot. Take me down. <laughs> okay, first off, rebuttal you didn't name... Go. The villains that were actually Spider-Man villains that you named were pretty weak arguments. Your main argument that was impressive was Thanos, but he wasn't a Spider-Man villain. He was an Avengers villain, and Spider-Man really didn't do anything against him. As the moderator, I disagree. I think his strongest point was that none of the other Spider-Men ever had to take on the Avengers. Hmm. That's true. We never got the they, we never got the Sands to do that. <laughs> and this because is all being done with one soon. less individual movie than your Spider-Man, Alex. I will give you this point on the crutch that they had to pull your Spider-Man out of an already established universe. So I <laughs> guess you do win there. <laughs> Sitting here with two movies that are kind of shitty. <laughs> it's getting a little salty in this debate, this. <laughs> I really liked my point for who had the best villain. Sorry. That's okay. Any other There are rebuttals? certain questions that, that like losing, I'm like, okay, I get it. I didn't have a strong <laughs> argument here, but I felt like on this one, I had a pretty strong argument. I think you, you had did. a very strong argument, but you're the, still the certain je ne sais quoi, as you yeah, say, you're right. that goes you're into right. a good villain for me is what can be explored within their confines. And while the relationships between Spider-Man and your villains were fantastic, uh, the disparity between scale motivations and the, their actual interactions with Spider-Man uh, on the villain level for me are much higher in Tom Holland's. <laughs> My last what? rebuttal would be, can we call the Avengers villains? No. Then but maybe yes. that doesn't count. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I think he still wins. You still got the point. Thanks. Next question. <laughs> Wait, Chloe, I want you to change your point. <laughs> uh, no, it's sorry, a little late on. for that. I already circled it in pen. So It's okay. The, no, it's uh, the, the audience will ultimately decide who won this. They'll argue about it in the comments. That's true. <laughs> if anybody would like to tell me that I'm wrong, I would love that. <laughs> yeah and real real quick chloe for like no particular reason uh going into the future what's your venmo username um you, my venmo what? is at yeah. chloe rainbowy that's h-l-o-e-r-a-i-n-b-o-w-y yeah. uh -huh, and you can uh -huh. pay to win this uh -huh. <laughs> if you bribe me i'll consider it <laughs> all right cool i don't work for anybody no 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 i would never i would never stoop so low but I, I just for my future information, just well, five dollars is five dollars. In case you, you go know? and get me dinner or like pick up like some food for like the rest of us. Like I just want to make sure I've got that information. Oh, look who's calling me right now. Uh, it's Andrew Garfield. <laughs> oh my god, put him on. <laughs> this no. is dirty. I feel Nobody, dirty. I want to move on. <laughs> All right. Question number three. And this time I promise we will have a rebuttal section before the point is awarded. <laughs> who is the most comic book accurate and this time we will be beginning with nick okay so uh full disclosure i haven't read the comics either <laughs> <laughs> but here we go we're gonna try it out oh, Garfield spider-man is definitely the most comic book accurate he acts exactly like spider-man acts he's joking 
and doing quips and all that, but he's also confident. However, this question would appear to be more of a question about which version of the Spider-Man comics we are referring to. If we are to base this off what a Reddit commenter has said, is <laughs> Andrew is closest to the ultimate due to his relation to Oscorp and general angst. But some points, like the lack of MJ who I can only assume is Mary Jane, and the revenge spree for Uncle Ben separate him from that version. Also, the first movie suit are original, so no accuracy per se, but the second movie suit is pretty much Mark Bagley Spidey with a different back and front logo. So there you go. Uh, said best by a Reddit commenter who's uh, probably a nerd, reads too many comic books, but anyways, the the height of Peter Parker has never been his standout feature. He's he's pretty average in comparison to most other superheroes, but he's not short by any means, and he isn't the tallest either, which kind of describes Andrew Garfield pretty well too, if you think about it. As it is, the actor stands five foot ten inches, which is the exact same as the comic book Spider Man. Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland are much shorter in this area, making Andrew Garfield the best representation of what Peter Parker is supposed to look like, according to height. Um, that's all I have for this section, so I will now yield my time. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> she says she clenched teeth. <laughs> well done. That's good. <laughs> that's really great, Nick. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I love a good sprinkle in of a Reddit comment. <laughs> sprinkle in? That's all I had. <laughs> he made mud pie with one ingredient, and it was mud. <laughs> <laughs> with parsley, because that makes sense. Call it what you will. <laughs> Next up to argue for which iteration of Spider-Man is the most comic book accurate is Michael. Now, I'm going to be generous to my fellow debaters here. Um, we are getting a little bit short on time, so I don't want to go too far into this argument. Well, because really there's not much for me to say. Just like Nick, I haven't really read a lot of the comics. I've seen a panel here and there. I've seen the lightheartedness, the sarcasm, the quips and all, uh, which clearly have been shown by Peter Parker uh, or Tom Holland. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I got so confused because his personification of Peter Parker is just so good. Um, we've seen that all through his films, but what can I say? I am just your average moviegoer, not super invested, whatnot, but like I brought up earlier in my opening statements, let's take the words of the creator himself, Stanley. Again, I will read this quote to you. It is as if we created a living being to be Spider-Man and it turned out to be Tom. I don't think there's really much else that needs to be said. For who can judge truly, really, the only person is the man, the myth, and the legend himself who created this in the first place i yield my time thank you bringing back that strong stanley quote all right the last person to address which iteration of spider-man is the most comic book accurate again last but not least is alex so i do read the comics um <laughs> also i may or may not have made that reddit post uh so <laughs> Uh, when it comes to comic book accuracy, there is an argument to be made for all three of these Spider-Men, but I want to focus on Spider-Man's core characteristics observable in the first 20 or so issues he appeared in, the pure Stan Lee, Steve Ditko days, if you will. Now, I recognize that there is a large chunk that uh, Toby's Spider-Man is missing from being that 
he doesn't invent his own web shooters and that uh, is a big part of the comics. But looking over that fair point, I think that we can see Tobey Maguire encompasses the core traits displayed in the comics I previously mentioned. He is shown being weak and bullied. He is smart, but he can't stand up for himself. Often in scenes that are, are framed directly out of comics, we have dialogue written by Stanley all those years ago. I would even go so far as to argue that by eliminating the need for mechanical web shooters, Raimi was able to further highlight the importance of Peter's self-image that in the comics are told through thought bubbles and cannot be translated to screen. This is especially highlighted in plots in Spider-Man 2, where, directly taken from a comic book, Peter is unable to be Spider-Man after losing his confidence and thus his abilities. This is the only time Peter runs out of webs, and it hits hard as he says the famous lines, I am Spider-Man no more, which is an iconic image of the Spider-Man suit in the trash can. He also regularly works at the Daily Bugle, so chalk that up too. I yield my time. All right, short but to the point. I love it. I have rebuttals. That's fine. We are now <laughs> entering the rebuttal portion of question three. You may begin. Um, so I would like to rebuttal with Nick that I think that he pulled the height out of his ass. <laughs> Not true. He's is it not? Nope. They say his exact height in the comic books. Well, they don't exactly say. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. Look, you don't have a number <laughs> in the United States. Is you said you said that Andrew Garfield is five foot ten, which is the exact height. Yes. of Spider Man. All right, the fact checker did you can't know take it the Absolutely. exact height of Spider Man if they've never look, said if it. If you look at the average height of a person in the United States, average height of a man in the United States, it's okay. probably like 5'8", 5'10", something like that. If you look at the average height of a spider and you subtract the average the height of a man, curve. then you will get about 5'10", <laughs> and that is the height of Spider Man. Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. According to dimensions.com, he is 5'10 in the comics. <laughs> been a strong point but i think that it was luck and i'll take that we'll take luck <laughs> we'll take that's, luck that's called accuracy and you can't touch me on that because i had so little to say <laughs> <laughs> he gets that at least any other rebuttals um i have a rebuttal against michael mm-hmm. as well if i might mention um he keeps quoting the stan lee quote which talks about how uh Tom Holland looks exactly like Spider-Man, like he was genetically made to be Spider-Man. However, Stan Lee was not the one who envisioned Spider-Man, only the one who wrote the Spider-Man stories. The real credit goes to one Steve Ditko, who came up with the original designs of the characters. So if Steve Ditko were to say that, I think I would take into more credit. But there is argument to be made that Stan Lee does not hold premise over what Spider-Man was supposed to look like. Oh, but Alex. Go ahead. Oh, a counterpoint. Unlike you. I like to look past just the looks of someone, just like how I believe Stan Lee did as well. Okay. Take a look at this quote again. Speculation, but I'll take it. It is as if we created a living being to be Spider-Man and it turned out to be Tom. Now, I for one think that being a living being is a lot more than just our looks. Mm -hmm. That's true. Now, if what you're saying is your interpretation of that, I've got moral quandaries with you, Alex. According to the rules that I set up previous to this debate, I'm not allowed to answer that. So, <laughs> next question: Do you have but free will? I, we but I will take what you said. As, I will take what you said as a way of furthering my argument. Yes, he wasn't the original. He wasn't the original person to envision the looks of Spider-Man, but he did write every storyline that there was. 
True. It's, the storylines that were quoted yeah. directly in the Raimi films and were never brought up in the MCU films. Well, I do believe that one can be original while still honoring the past. You can honor the vibes, but if we're talking accuracy, <laughs> honor the vibes. <laughs> if you're talking accuracy, then going exactly from the comics. Honor the vibes. And that's I think is like entertain this is code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so here, here's what I'm getting, Alex, from you is that in order for it to be comically accurate, you have to take specific segments from the comic. Well, do you want to go into the definition of accuracy? Or moderator, are you really not cutting us off yet? Uh, no, I'm just really entertained right now, and I have also already made up my mind. So. Oh, okay. Told you. <laughs> I was just going to let you guys fight it out a little bit. No, no further deliberation. And I want to preface this, like, we didn't start with this, but I figured it was implied. But just for anyone who's not catching on to this, this is all friendly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we don't give a shit good. at the end of the day. <laughs> And also, I just want to be all person. We're all best friends. Our yeah, favorite we're all best friends, friends. Is giving shit to each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Off the air and on the air. <laughs> True, nerds. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a rough comment for this question. I will admit I'm slightly biased because I have also read a fair number of Spider-Man comics, and I truly believe that Tobey Maguire takes this one. So well done, Alex. You won another point. And I really think that credits more to Raimi than to Toby, but Raimi directed it, so yeah. Toby yeah, did well, it. The, yeah, the movies are more than just the actors behind them. Right. True. Mm-hmm. So those movies are so accurate. Like, there are points that it's cringy how accurate it is. Oh, yeah. Like, when you when you hear Toby Maguire say, I shall be Spider-Man no more, you're like, oh, <laughs> that's 1960s talk. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they really ripped that from the panel, didn't they? Damn, they're really (laughs) accurate, huh? (laughs) Anyway. All right, gents, let's move on to question number four. Let's try to keep this under an hour and a half. Uh, Question four is, who makes a better Peter Parker? And we will be beginning with our winner from the last round, Alex. Ooh, famous character, Peter Parker, one who is a household name who everybody knows. This question relies heavily on how Peter Parker is uh, and not how Spider-Man is. Peter Parker is a sensitive, quiet, socially awkward kid who no one, including himself, will give a break to. Uh, Even after becoming Spider-Man, Peter Parker continues to face depression, low self-esteem and self-sabotage, both in the movies and in the comics. Uh, There is a scene in the Raimi trilogy that I think best describes Peter's character, where he sits on a web having just saved Mary Jane. She is curled up next to him, knowing who he is, and actually says, uh, I think I always knew who you really were. To which Peter replies, you and I can never be. Uh, Tear is shared and shed by both of them. And uh, you're left sort of understanding that they totally could be together. But in this moment, Peter's deciding the harder path to let MJ go to protect her, um, which is a noble path. But at the same time, in the comics, often he is found uh trying to make it work with Mary Jane, usually to his demise. But there have definitely been times where he's kind of taken this harder path. Um, he, I will go on to say that Peter also uh, doesn't often pay his rent and often uh, is late on rent, something that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man suffers from as well. Um, 
there's something in the comics that is known as Parker Luck uh, for those moments that are exactly like those that I previously mentioned. Uh, the complete doing and more undoing of Peter Parker is caused completely by him and himself, something that Toby does almost repeatedly when playing this character. Um, that is why Toby makes the best Peter Parker, because Raimi and Toby both just sort of get self-sabotage. I yield. My time. All right. The next person who will be tackling the question of, does their character make a better Peter Parker, is Michael talking about mm. Tom Holland. Every character or every version of a character is different. That's why we're here in the first place, talking the differences between these three. Um, but really, at the end of the day, uh, Peter Parker is whoever you want to make him out to be. Um, he's whoever you relate to the most. Um, we pick apart certain pieces and aspects of different characters, personas, and what they say and do. And we like to turn that into parts of ourselves. Um, whether or not that's true for you, it is for me with Tom Holland Spider-Man. Uh, growing up, I know exactly what it's like to be a bit of a weird guy, but also very smart, says some weird stuff, but sometimes given the right context, can be a little funny. Um, we see that emulated perfectly with Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Uh, we don't get to experience his tragic backstory with the death of Uncle Ben, but that's because we're not looking at the journey that Peter Parker has gone through multiple times. We're looking at a new journey ahead for him. We're looking at his future within the MCU as a whole and him potentially taking up the mantle of Iron Man after it is left behind during their encounter with Thanos. Um, it is through this that we get to see his his depiction go through all of the mental steps that you would see someone who is just a 16, 17 year old feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders. Um, Peter Parker, in most cases, is supposed to be someone who is strong, but not the strongest, fast, but not the fastest. Can talk well, but isn't the best. And really what gets us with Peter Parker is the amount of love and attention that he has to as he's talking and doing his things. Uh, and that is Tom Holland's Peter Parker to a nutshell. He is able to fight and still get his persona and his quotes out there with the best of them. He is most of the time stealing the show, no matter what the context is. But all of that does not belie the fact that Peter Parker in and of himself is shy and awkward, where his only chance to really let him true self out is through the uh, through the suit of Spider-Man. I yield my time. And Hi. the last person to tackle this question of who makes a better Peter Parker is our friend Nick. Okay, so Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker was probably the closest in terms of personality just updated to be modern from the comic books. He was a social outcast at his school. He got angry and had an edge to him. He was self-sufficient and could create gadgets and suits all by himself. He's very smart. All three of them, Maguire, Holland, and Garfield, show varying degrees of the character's keen intellect. One of the biggest sticking points with Ryami's version, however, is that Spider-Man can organically spin webs from his wrists rather than creating crafting if you will, web shooters like he does in the comics. In the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, he helps he helps out Dr. Kurt Connors come up with the equation to regenerate his missing limbs, as I mentioned before, of course, becoming the lizard. Naturally, this backfires and Connors becomes a homicidal amphibian, but still, Garfield showcases Peter's intellect at the best. 
And he wasn't really a geek and he wasn't really a nerd in this particular film, but he did show his intellect when creating his own costume and webs. And, but that's the rest of it. He is a, uh, he's interested in science, but not really a nerd or a geek overall, just more of a, like I said, Chad Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield has a quick and athletic feel to his turn in the role, which is that of the comic book version is all about. His portrayal is easily seen as the quickest in the live action with his agility second to none and his acrobatic prowess being noteworthy. Andrew Garfield's version of Peter Parker is involved with himself, like stuff, um, arguing with Uncle Ben and getting angry when things don't go his way. Peter Parker isn't always easygoing all the time in the comics. He has a tendency to become a bit of a hothead at times. The Amazing Spider-Man featured Peter in an emotional person who wasn't shy to make these emotions known. Garfield is also an excellent actor, as I mentioned before. He's relatively new to the big screen when he took this Spider-Man role in 2012, but he brought an experience with him from such stellar movies as like The Social Network and Never Let Me Go. And his uh, well-rounded presentation for this part, his his passion, his dedication, his genuine connection with the co-stars, and overall his charisma all stem from an actor who values his craft and wants to give his fans more of the real deal as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. So with that, I will now yield my time. We have now entered our rebuttal portion of question number four. You may begin. No one has mean things to say? I have mean things to say. There it is. Of course you do. You are. <laughs> going, going first means I forget some of the mean things I had to say. <laughs> so, I, so I did forget my thing for Michael. So Michael gets off scot-free on this one, but he did say something that triggered me. Let it be known. Um, but um, for Nick, I would argue... Uh, you made well. You sort of made a rebuttal in your statement about the Raimi films, but you said the Rahami, which is interesting. Um, Look, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's point, name. I don't know enough about Spider Man. That's fine. It's okay. It's okay. The point that I'm trying to get to is, uh, I think that when it comes to web shooter, that's getting into Spider Man territory. Uh, mm-hmm. When we're talking about Peter. We're talking about the guy outside the suit. And while the inventing and being smart is a part of that, uh, I feel like his inventing for Spider-Man should be put in the Spider-Man column. I don't think so, because he's not actually in costume as Spider-Man when he creates these things. He's being Peter Parker, creating things for Spider-Man. I, I'm actually going to step in here and agree with Nick on this. Uh I believe that well, I, manage, I would imagine so. He didn't attack your yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Peter Parker's ingenuity and intelligence is what allows him to create these tools and gadgets. Yes. Uh, I would like at the end of the day. I would like to then remind uh, our moderator that my Peter Parker was being sought after by Norman Osborn to help him create the uh, the gaseous thing that he made that turned him into the green goblin because he knew that it wasn't ready yet and he knew that peter was smart enough to fix it yeah but also because of nepotism let's be real here <laughs> i don't know what nepotism means so fuck you <laughs> and you know it means the rest uh, of my time <laughs> it means peter parker was a privileged white kid with a with a rich friend whose dad gave whoa, him a job whoa okay they're all privileged white kids <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> I'm not making that point. I'm just just countering your point. There's an argument to be made that your Peter is the most privileged white kid because he's built off the bones of Miles Morales. (laughs) 
Like his character from like his best friend being Ned, the guy in the chair was immediately ripped from Miles Morales. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there are a couple of adjectives there that, that that they just took to make a quote unquote new Spider-Man. So we're not getting the same story all over again. Yeah, well, one could say that, like, you know, taking what makes a uh, minority character great and establishing that onto a white protagonist is like the most white privilege thing that could happen. But what I'll say instead is <laughs> what makes characters that, great is picking and borrowing from other stories that are close to themselves and establishing can, that as part of yourself. I think that we all just mutually agreed that Disney probably shouldn't have done that to Miles Morales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> point against Disney. <laughs> Who, I think Miles Morales actually took the point for this one. Oh, God. Took a big fat O. Yeah. Well, I would like, perhaps I should say this after I've revealed my um, deliberation. Are we completed with the rebuttals? Yeah, if you're, yeah. You say, what, say what you want if you have your, your point already awarded. <laughs> I, was, I was about ready to call some people some bad names, but you can go ahead. I, mm-hmm. I truly did wait until the end to make my decision on this one but okay, all right. um an interesting little tidbit about the amazing spider-man is that andrew garfield sh- peter parker shows up to the osborne laboratories and catches the attention of dr kurt connors and only after he shows up at his house and helps him solve his algorithm for the lizard biome does he reveal that he is his dad's son and him and Kurt Connors had a connection. So I will be awarding this point to Nick. Wow. That is insanity. And you Mm -hmm. are going to have everybody rioting because he is, he is the, he is the well-known least Peter Parker Spider-Man because <laughs> yep. he is absolutely nothing like and Peter Parker. I am purposely. also going to bring up a, bring up a point of order. Judge, you cannot argue for the point. Yeah, you can't. It is not your responsibility to to Nick's argument. Oh, no, I'm you can do sorry that. that I have a favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's not. You cool. said you were not biased. <laughs> I'm not biased towards my really boyfriend. I could be biased about Andrew Garfield. That's <laughs> that seems bullshit. Stop the count. This is a kangaroo court. I understand that you're upset. And people well, yeah, can come for me in the make comments. Any sense. And they will. That's gonna happen. Okay. But you assigned me as the moderator, and that is my humble opinion. Okay. That's well, you fine. You better get ready to be fucking canceled. It's obviously not yeah. fine, but we'll move on. It is fine in a in a personal relationship sense. You and I, yeah. we're good. I love yeah. you to death. However, but. the Spider-Man fan in me just like is heated because yeah. he he is the opposite of every here's here's my one he's thing he's not the opposite do, do i need to read here's, my points again like here's what did, my what one you thing what andrew, andrew I garfield here i have one point that will destroy this andrew garfield and i think michael will agree with me andrew garfield's peter parker is really fucking cool and yep. that is why he is not peter parker <laughs> yep. he's very he's cool. the one peter parker that the, makes you want to go whoa i want to be just like him he's the he's the peter parker where girls look at him and they go he's my favorite because he's hot he's cute the stuff he does is attractive and that's what makes him not peter parker <laughs> that's what makes but him also chloe, skateboards but peter also chloe, skateboard. we love what? and we he's respect your decision yeah. peter parker no he's but the, also we do respect your opinions yeah we um, love and respect your opinions and your just, decisions i just want you to know that you're unequivocally and scientifically wrong yeah, this is just a that's a big miss is what this was. But the point goes to Nick. 
And you know why? Because he's the best Peter Parker. Let's just settle with that. Golf. Does everybody feel better? Are we ready to move on? Yeah. <laughs> no. Actually, yes. I feel a lot better. Okay. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to let that out. I understand. I figured there would be a lot of uh, pushback in my decision, but of course, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Because also, the the point wasn't argued well, but it's fine. Wow. You, you argued the point. Well, you argued the point can for we, Nick. Can we lose a point like for hey, hey, Alex, Alex, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Okay. Question I'm number sorry, five. <laughs> Which iteration of Spider-Man makes a better Spider-Man? Now, of course, this is different from who makes a better Peter Parker because we are simply talking about the superhero. And the person who will be going first on this is Michael. We will be moving in backwards chronological order to the creation of the Spider-Man. Here's the thing with comic book Spider-Mans is they've been at this point written by many different creators uh so there's different flavors of spider-man um you can have some of the more like strong stoic ones like i would argue uh both the amazing spider-man and sam raimi spider-man are while yes they do get their quips in uh none of which are like tom holland's uh constantly allowing his personality his unmasked but masked personality to come out um now really at the end of the day you could say that spider-man's powers and his gadgets and everything like that are what makes him spider-man now for me what makes spider-man spider-man is what he does and his personality so one of the biggest things that we see with spider-man in the mcu is he constantly has to be um essentially looking out after himself between his life as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man to the point where even when he's on a trip with his classmates out of the New York area to Washington, D.C., he then has to become Spider-Man, taking on the responsibility of having to explain himself and why he was even there in the first place. Um, It is through these awkward interactions where we get to see what makes Spider-Man special. It is this down-home, down-to-earth, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man nature. Um, while I would argue, yes, in Sam Raimi's movies, you see pretty much all of the action take place in the friendly neighborhood. Uh, it is, that is not all that Spider-Man is. We see that Spider-Man, as he grows and matures, he takes on more and more responsibility. And while we have the youngest portrayal of Spider-Man in Tom Holland's, we see him much further along in his journey, uh, from the get go. And it is because of that we get to see a different part of Spider-Man as a whole. We see this more responsible side, this side that has to grow and mature as he's facing these higher and higher powers. And it is through that conflict we see Spider-Man grow and grow. And really, that's the special part about Tom Holland's Spider-Man is we see not only his personality and his works come through, but also him grow and grow as Spider-Man. With that, I leave my time. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. That concludes our Tom Holland section of question number five. We will be moving on to Nick, who will be addressing how Andrew Garfield tackles the portrayal of our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. As I mentioned before, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man makes all his own gadgets, or is it Peter Parker? I don't know where we landed on that. But anyway, he dates Gwen Stacy first, is an outsider towards his peers, and acts selfish and angsty before learning that he has to be a hero. You know, uh, plug for the the Hero's Journey episode that we did before. 
Anyways, Garfield, however, is the only actor who played Spider-Man so far that has really combined all the parts that make Spider-Man who he is. The actor embodies the boyish enthusiasm, awkward crushes on big time uh, of, of a girl. But more importantly, Garfield's clear acting chops allow him to fully handle the character's personal woes and ultimate, ultimate sacrifices with aplomb. Now, he's also talkative when he's being Spider-Man, but not jokingly so. It's just a showcase to express his inner anger. He was almost there to capture the reason why he is talking to himself. It is more of a bolstering of his confidence, if anything else. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man interacted with his city as well. He didn't just rescue no names and a bland gesture of goodness or heroics and then forget about them. He asked them what their names were, lifted up their spirits, made them feel important, brave, and powerful. He treated these people like friends and peers, not just targets to save. The most damning evidence in all of this is that Tom Holland himself says that his favorite Spider-Man movie is, drumroll please, The Amazing Spider-Man. Tom Holland even says that he likes Andrew Garfield more than Tobey Maguire. So I think he's a nice guy in that regard, but maybe he's just being too bashful. Andrew Garfield knows that he's the best, and I think so too. And with that, I yield my time. Wow, thank you very much. I did not know that Tom Holland said that, and that is pretty hilarious. Fact check me on that, please. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good. Okay, and the last person to contribute to who would make a better Spider-Man is Alex. So what is there to say about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? He is the accompaniment of what a Spider-Man should be. Uh, You see, Spider-Man is the opposite of what Peter Parker is, and no one displays this duality better than Tobey Maguire. While his Peter Parker is quiet and self-reserved, his Spider-Man is loud and boastful, but not for the wrong reasons. While Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man's boastfulness is because of his confidence as Peter Parker and his sarcastic remarks as his no-I-can-beat-you attitude... um, Or Tom Holland's joking uh, masquerade that he puts on, usually more confused or interested in the situation going on than actually wisecracking, Toby wisecracks for the reasons that Spider-Man does. It's because he wants to both distract his villains that he's facing and to distract himself from his own fear that he is feeling. What truly makes him a great Spider-Man, though, is what he symbolizes. Spider-Man, of course, is a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, as Michael mentioned. Uh, Spider-Man is a New Yorker, and his character traits come from the people who populate his city. His motor mouth is because New Yorkers have motor mouths. He never gives up because New Yorkers never give up. Most importantly, he stands as the only as the only defense in the universe for New York with the Avengers almost non-existent other than a throwaway joke about Doctor Strange. Toby is the symbol of heroism in New York. And that is what Spider-Man is. He is a symbol. When he is eventually knocked out on a train and his mask is knocked off, the people of New York literally pick him up and pass him to the front of a train because they know that he's one of them and they're not going to leave him on his back because he's a New Yorker just like them. They give him back his mask and tell him to go fight because New Yorkers stick together. And that's why Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is a true New Yorker and a true Spider-Man. I yield my time. Okay. Well done, Alex. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you. It is now time for the rebuttal section of question five. Have at. Michael looks Damn. angry for anyone listening. I'm angry because <laughs> Alex's point was really good. 
And I can't think of anything to argue against it, and I want to. Uh-oh. <laughs> I would say that Alex's point uh, missed the mark uh, on multiple accounts because uh, you you can say that Spider-Man is just a person. He could be any one of us, right? Um, when you're when you're going into the New Yorker part, yeah, that's a, that's an important thing. But I don't think that's what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. You could say you can take the New Yorker out of Spider-Man, but you can't take the the Spider-Man out of New York. Yes, you can, because it's been shown in the Avengers series of movies, the Marvel series of movies, that Spider-Man does, in fact, shockingly, go outside of New York. He is shockingly ineffective. He is ineffective outside of cities. And I recognize that, and he's my favorite superhero. If you mm-hmm. were to put Spider-Man anywhere in Indiana, he would not be able to function. Yep, I love Unless that it was like scene Indianapolis. Um, in Homecoming, <laughs> where he's like Ferris Bueller running through people's backyards because he doesn't have anything to swing off of. Yeah. yeah classic or like when when he gets like abandoned out in the middle of nowhere i think it's in spider-man homecoming he literally has to like walk because there's mm-hmm. nothing else he can do but walk he's not super fast like if he can't swing he can't move yeah spider-man is a character based around a city yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i agree most importantly new york <laughs> yeah well. the big the big apple the big city yeah does anybody have any final rebuttals before i award Question five's point. I would like to say something. Oh, go ahead. Could, could I also say something too? Okay, well, okay, you go ahead. I'll go after you. Uh, Alex, very good points. Uh, I really enjoyed your debate. Uh, you had some good things to say. Uh, some things I didn't know about Spider-Man that I learned. Uh, so thanks for thanks for doing that. Really appreciate it. Oh, mine was going to be a nice thing too. I was going to say thank you guys so much for participating in this because it was Aww. something that I had the idea of doing on Monday and I literally said like, hey, we all have 24 hours to come up with these arguments if you guys want to do this. <laughs> you guys were so supportive and it was so great and I had a lot of fun doing this and I did get a little heated uh, at times, but I think that's kind of <laughs> what makes a good debate because like if none of us gave a shit, then it wouldn't have been entertaining right. and I feel like we all... We all gave a shit, which was a lot to ask. Uh, and I really appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you guys. Part of the fun. You're my best friends, and I really appreciate Aww, it. I want to yeah. use my girlfriend. And You're the other one is. I, I just, you guys are just so great. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I, I feel like I have some, I have to say something nice now. Okay, go ahead. All right. I fucking hate both of you. And <laughs> uh-huh. I think this whole thing is a fucking sham. And I- <laughs> Yep. It's kangaroo court. Yep. Just mm-hmm. wait until my verdict. All right. <laughs> I don't even know the scores right now. So I mean, if, if you don't want to score Andrew Garfield's movies, that's fine because I haven't watched them, but I will in the future. So full disclosure. I there. still, Nick, I still can't believe you just you didn't watch the movies. What you was know I what? supposed to do? Take time out of work and go watch them? Like what? <laughs> I don't know. It was a lot to ask in 24 hours. He came up with some really good arguments still. Well, despite the fact that we have already debated this, I still think you should watch them. Alex, you should watch the second one, too, because they are part of the Spider-Man Extended Universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will definitely fired. watch it before No Way Home, yeah. even if yeah. he's not in it. And say what you want about Garfield, but... The guy's a damn good actor. You can't get he's past a, that. Yeah, no, he's, an he's a great actor. actor. He just doesn't know. A, he doesn't know Spider Man, and that's okay. He's, Andrew Garfield, the person, is too cool to be Spider Man. It was Andrew Garfield Spider Man, <laughs> yeah. which was fine. It just isn't Spider Man. <laughs> Knowing what I know, I wholeheartedly agree with both of you. But for the purpose of the podcast, <laughs> but hey, I think you're both wrong. <laughs> he really no, but he is a lot like the Ultimate Spider-Man. Had I been dealt mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield, I would have argued the exact same point. He is, he is not 
Spider-Man 616, he is the ultimate universe Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And he is very accurate to that. Yeah, and that that really is the hard part about the Spider-Man that I got. is like he's very specifically the MCU Spider-Man. So yeah. it's oh, one of yeah. those things. Any argument I have to make about like whether or not he's a great Peter Parker or a great Spider-Man, it's like that he has was, to be within the conf- confines of the MCU. Oh, Jesus. He was. Yeah, it's OK. They're agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the thing about Tom Holland's Spider-Man is that he was a Spider-Man molded into an established concrete universe. So they basically mm-hmm. made a Spider-Man that fit in, um, which meant they like had him already established as his powers. Like so much so as they retconned that little kid in the Iron Man mask in like Iron Man one or two to be Tom Holland. They're like, no, this was Peter Parker as a kid. Three. I think it's might the beginning be three. of three. But there's a little kid who like Iron Man lands next. It might've been the Avengers, but Iron Man no, lands next to him and he's wearing like the Iron Man mask. And they're like, no, that's Peter Parker. Like Kevin Feige has said, like that's Peter Parker. Yeah, okay. Oh, because geez. Peter Parker's Peter Parker loved Iron Man apparently, they and that's why he wanted like to be a superhero. He that's yeah. that's basically why they said he wanted to be a superhero was okay. because he loved Iron Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Whatever. <laughs> I still if they hadn't casted Oscar Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac would have made a great Uncle Ben in this case, because it would have been like hot Aunt May, hot Uncle Ben, here's Peter. And I would have been like, Yes, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I we could go and have a is whole another discussion is it Oscar about Isaac? this. Yeah, Oscar Isaac. Is Oscar Isaac. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. I get him yeah, and Oscar yeah. Wilde confused. I know one's an author and one's, <laughs> but you know, it happens. Oscar Wilde, the I believe deceased author, is playing Moon Knight. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> <Poet> society. Correct. <laughs> okay, gentlemen. But, yes. I have please. reached my final verdict. After a very spirited debate. Can we get the scores? Yes. Total scores. Michael slash Tom Holland was awarded one point for who takes on the best villains. Okay. Nick and Andrew Garfield was awarded a point, however controversial, for who makes a better Peter Parker. And Alex was awarded three points for who would win in an all-out use-what-you-got street fight, who is the most comic book accurate and who makes a better Spider-Man making Alex and Tobey Maguire the winner of Debate This. I mean, if it went any other way, I think yeah. we'd all be a little <laughs> I suspicious. Quit the <laughs> it, it had to be one, one and three or else it was going to be one, two and two. So if it wasn't a tie, mm-hmm. it had to be that. I had um, a tiebreaker yeah. question prepared just in case Michael swayed me on question five, but we don't have to use it. So it's fine. Oh. Can we hear it, though? Well, sure. It was the question I was going to include before, which is, which movie do you think will best stand the test of time? Which, for the Sam Raimi series, we already have almost two decades on it, and it still does stand yeah. the test of time. Um, well, hard to say with the Marvel it's little, movies. It's a little campy, Well, sure. I will say. Some of the animation is like, oh, this was made in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a scene where it's Peter Parker and uh, Mary Jane Watson swinging, and they somehow blew Kirsten Dunn's hair in the wrong direction. I love that. <laughs> and, also, and also, like... They're like the, flying the this spider- way, and her hair is still going this way. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. And the, the Spider-Man is, like, so clearly, like, made of foam and not a real person. It's, it's just, just like... It's nuts. She's hanging onto a mannequin in front of a green screen. It's fine. Incredible. <laughs> so uh, I think my film will stand the test of time, maybe. It, no, it's. You not. haven't watched your film. <laughs> you don't even know. 
I think, I think that this film is a very good film because it was made in 2012. Uh, that was a good year for a lot of people. Uh, that was of, supposed to be the end of the world. I know. That's why I said it's a good year because you don't know what's about it to wasn't? come. Only bad things followed 2012. Think about it. This is a good year for me. Mm-hmm. Might, pretty good year. Graduated right. high school. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah okay fair enough hey guys thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this debate if you agreed with us if you didn't agree with us let us know there are tons of ways you can do that i'll get into that after our quick this we have brian koenig back the juggler from last week to do our quick this segment for us this has been a little bit longer of an episode and it's kind of a long quick this segment too so you're welcome it's a pretty long episode this uh, this fun week fact i was the one who got brian on the podcast because we did used to teach circus lessons together so we talked about that in the episode. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. I didn't think no, you right. did. <laughs> anyway. No. Uh, I didn't think no. so. We, okay. will, we will now switch it over to that uh, totally not pre-recorded segment. <laughs> uh, anyway. Here you go, Alex. Talk about how this, this is probably great. Welcome, guys. We are going to do our quick this segment. We totally didn't leave. This isn't a different recording. This isn't from the past. This is the same episode that you were just listening to that I just hosted. And I did a great job. Uh, and everybody knows that it's 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 wide known. And, uh, you know, Brian's back with us and he's going to do our quick this for this week to close us out. So thank you for coming back on, Brian. We appreciate you uh, taking more of your time for this little podcast. Thank you. I appreciate giving my time. Um, Excellent. <laughs> that was awesome. It's super great to be here. Yeah, I was thinking about I couldn't really, I, I was kind I'm of- starting your timer real quick. Oh, cool, yeah. You don't want to miss a second. Okay, you're good, go. Okay, yeah. I was, well, I was thinking about a couple things, and when it was like, I don't know, I wasn't sure what the mood of this podcast was going to be, and I wasn't sure how serious it was going to be, but- Not at all. Yeah, yeah, well, I was thinking- like this, I was thinking about, like, you know, pay, and how, like, we don't, we, we entertain, like, trying to talk to people about how much you're getting paid for gigs, and it's hard to know, and I was like, that seems too serious, but an important topic, but I was thinking about, just in general, the value of entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. I think- we just the fact that this podcast exists to talk about entertainment uh like it has like entertainment has a value both like like it has a as a literal like number value mm-hmm. and um how especially during the pandemic like people who were working in the entertainment industry were some of the most uh directly affected um there was virtually mm-hmm. no uh live entertainment for a long time and everyone uh relied on their like recorded stuff their movies their tv their books their whatever that's what everyone was doing for the last year and and yet like a lot of like live performing artists took the brunt not the brunt but like they all personally to stay in their industries took a brunt like i had to do so many things to survive during the pandemic i worked as a mail carrier at one point it was crazy like and juggling mail yeah it was great <laughs> it was my, my proudest thing at the, the post office was i worked there for several months and i never told anybody that i was a juggler not one incredible knew. i don't know how you hold That's your tongue on something wow. so cool yeah, yeah 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 they're like what'd you do before this i'm like i worked for the census because i did that <laughs> i was an accountant <laughs> yeah i literally counted people um uh, but yeah so i just i i think that there there's a value to entertainment and i think it's important that like when you're when you're looking for if you're ever hiring entertainment or if you're looking to like you're worried about like purchasing like i i, I just buy movies all the time like i know it might doesn't really affect like the individuals but i don't mind paying for entertainment paying for video games paying for um paying for like a three dollars for an app that like like that 
provides me with a couple hours of entertainment. I think there is like literal value to entertainment and it's good to pay entertainers. Um, and I think that it's like that by asking for people to pay you, like as an entertainer, it, 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 people will pay you more and think you're better if you ask for more money. It's like a weird thing where some Mm -hmm. people you'll, you'll, you'll price yourself out of some events, you'll price yourself out of some markets, but like, you, you, what you're doing is valid. What you guys are doing, making this podcast is value. And if like, whether or not you're making big, the big bucks from it or not, um, like any bucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sense. Um, so, and I just think, I think that it's important to, to, as people who are entertainers to express that you believe that what you do has value and to try and like help people see that. And it seems like you guys do that. And, uh, yeah, I just, I think that entertainment has a value and it's important to the way we live and it, gives people a uh it helps add a lot of color to people's lives so yeah i would i would argue that um the last year has proven how important entertainment was because without it a lot of people pretty much would have slumped into nothingness Mm -hmm. um there was a, a lot of relying on streaming services on youtube on like podcasts um this podcast got started because we couldn't hang out with each other during the pandemic. Yeah. That's, I mean, now we're 77, 78 episodes in. Wow. Um, yeah. So 78 hours of us talking to each other and we still haven't really <laughs> run out of anything to talk about. Who'd want to listen to that? <laughs> and, and, and to your point, like this is a podcast about entertainment and it's incredible that we have done 78 hours and still have so much left to talk about because there is just so much of it and it has been and will always be so important to just people's daily lives. Um, you did bring up something that I wish we had talked about during your episode. So I'm, I'm going to ask it now. Sure. Um, what was it like during the pandemic for someone whose main focus, main like um, way of living uh, was so heavily based in live entertainment and like was there a point where you had ever thought like maybe I'm not going to get back to this maybe this is just the way it's going to be yeah that's a great question and the I did go through that um, uh, for me it was kind of it was really like a perfect storm of bad timing personally because um, I had just kind of left the situation I was in in 2019 with an entertainment company where I was the artistic director and doing a lot of gigs for them um, to go and really focus on my solo stuff I did that opera in New York which was an amazing gig I did the Macy's Day Parade I I got a bunch of did a bunch of really great work and then I had time off I, that ended in December and it's it's normal to have and I did a couple of Christmas gigs and it's normal to have a really dry period between like January and February, especially in the gig business, uh, this type of stuff I do. And so I was just taking the time off, eating away my savings, you know, expecting that gigs would pick back up in the spring and uh, and then went on a little trip and then boom, pandemic hits and there's nothing. And so it was just like a perfect storm of um you know, like bad time with income. And so I started, just started doing DoorDash or whatever, you know, just like a lot of people mm-hmm. probably did just where I could make a few bucks here and there. Um, and then when that was feeling untenable, I, I got a job with the census. I did IT work for the census. I've never done IT work in my life. Um, I did, like I said, I worked as a mail carrier for a couple of months and that was, I made a lot of money and worked 70 hours a week, like four or Oof. five weeks in a row, um, sort of work and I literally just had to like do anything to you know to support myself and I'd moved to a new city and and you know just kind of hoping that things would pick back up and uh and basically I did go through that point because when I was working for the census too it was a nice cushy little office job 
And, uh, and I worked a, I worked a normal schedule. Um, and then I had weekends free. It was really nice because I'm so used to working weekends and I really enjoyed the, that actually, it was really good for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that like a lot of people, I just literally looked for like what I could find. I, I had a hard time dealing with unemployment and stuff, so I didn't bother. A lot of my friends who were performers just, they got unemployment and that kept them afloat and, you know, as best as it could. Um, yeah, I, it was, it was, it was tough, but I, I did think at times I was like, maybe I should do something that's more stable, something that's, you know, maybe I should apply for like an event planning position, uh, you know, at a company that's meant I could have like a normal job. And, but now that things are picking back up and I think that's a lot of things when you're not doing what you're good at, you forget that you're good at what you did. You know, you forget mm-hmm. that it's like the thing you, you, you lose that, like when you get, you know, positive feedback on something you're good at, you kind of forget if people, if you're, if you're a funny person, but you're not around people, you might stop thinking that you're funny doesn't mean you're not funny, you know, like it's, um, yeah. And so I, I'm back there now. That's that I'm, hugely inspirational. <laughs> I know. It's like, I was expecting to be inspired in this podcast. What I don't know about that, <laughs> but yeah. So I just think, I think it's important that like it, if you don't do, yeah, if you don't do what you like to do, you'll forget, you'll for, you might forget that you like doing it. So I, I am doing it again and I've been lucky to keep having gigs kind of pop up here and there and things are kind of getting rolling again. And I'm finding I'm more enthusiastic about, uh, gigging and doing, doing the things I do now that, uh, I'm doing them again. So, um, I think we're out on the other side on my end, but I think a lot of other people still aren't like Broadway is not back for a few more months, you know, Mm. and that was already a meat grinder as it was. So, um, yeah, sorry, that was like a depressing note to end it on. No, no. dude, <laughs> we are we are not a podcast that's strict to any sort of mood. We have for sure ended on somber notes yeah. many a times. Mm-hmm. This is a real podcast about real people having real conversations. We just so happen to have terrible coping mechanisms, so it often becomes funny. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. but we are we are we do like these moments of realness, and I think that they're important. Sure. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, pandemic was 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 crazy. It's awesome that you guys started this podcast. It's wild. Uh, yeah, we just happen to have all the stuff to do it. We, we, we just know did what it. else to do. Really, yeah. that's we the... didn't know what else to do with ourselves. Yeah. It's gonna sound like three three beautiful three beautiful uh, three beautiful baritones and a guy in a tin can with uh, his his his. Uh, Who's who? Generally confused. Well, we think that you're incredibly talented uh we hope you a very successful future um and hopefully you know this podcast will reach somebody who'll be like hey we need to get brian koenig immediately uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. maybe not but you know that's always the hope <laughs> sure book me for your next uh uh chip and eyes wide shut party eyes wide shut party yeah <laughs> oh man <laughs> You got a bar mitzvah coming up. You want to go to the <laughs> dude? I've worked bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, porn, have you porn ever, parties. Have you ever juggled the thirteen-year-old uh, boy sitting in the chair, like yeah. with the other chair? Yo, you joke, but like kid juggling is a thing. It's a bit you can do where um, it's Great it's kind of hard to pull off. It's like in this day and age, it's kind of hard to like justify getting a strange kid up on stage and manhandling them. Um, but there's a guy who's really good at it. He's like he's like this really buff juggler. His name's Ivan Pacell. He's really buff. 
buff. He's very handsome. Of course, his name's Ivan. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's buff. He's charming, and he's just like he's like just very good looking. And so it's kind of like one of those things where he just is like a really normal dude, and so it doesn't he doesn't have any like creepy vibe in that way. And he just gets hmm. a kid up on stage. He's like an eight year old boy usually, right? And he picks him up, and basically you hold him on one side, you juggle two, and you throw the kid over to the other arm after throwing the two in the air, and then you catch and you juggle, and you throw the kid back and forth. And it's just like this kid like flopping around. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. No, I, I think I. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, you, no, you, 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 you. Your energy is better. Speaking of entertainment, we should have talked about this. I'm at a county fair this week, and I saw one of the most entertaining things in my life. This thing called the Super Striker Rodeo. It's this touring rodeo group, right? And they do the the bull riding and everything, and they do, and they're they're very. There's a very religious family that runs it, and they do like a speech about how you should keep your pants pulled up, and you should keep your Bible with you in between of like these men like getting pounded by bulls. Um, uh, <laughs> but there's a connection there. That's but this is like this is the most entertaining stuff you've ever seen right there's there was a 12 year old riding a bull a a, a freaking like full-size bull they put a 12 year old on one of these things and it just immediately boom 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 and the kid's gone like (laughs) and then between the bull riding they got small events they had month they had one that's called the uh the it's like the shoe off or something it's like the shoe stampede all the kids they get all the kids from 7 to 11 years old to put their shoe in a pile at one end of the rodeo and then they put these kids and like they literally put these kids in like a corral right also, there's no COVID at the county fair, apparently. Um, and, uh, and no, it's uh, made up, of course. Yeah these, yeah. yeah, these kids, these kids, like 70 kids, 70 boys and 70 girls, like separate. They do them separately because you can't have boys and girls playing together. Um, no, not at all. They go stampede <laughs> across the thing. They have to find their shoe in the pile, put it on, and run back and high five the rodeo clown. Um, Incredible. And then after that, they have the mutton busting where they take sheep that are shorn and the kids, they put a kid, little kids, on the back and they just wrap their arms around the neck and they let him go right and i'm not and they're just wearing like little bike helmets and they put little mouthpieces that are too big for them in and it's not even like it's not even it's it's not even like kids that you're thinking it's not like eight nine ten year olds they had a three-year-old freaking doing this they had a three-year-old and it just literally was the clown running trying to like hold the three-year-old by like the belt as it's running and the clown the kid just smacks off the sheep that's running full speed it's three years old tumbling its helmets half the size of it and the guy the clown drops and the clown just picks the kid up by its belt and just carries it back to its family like, <laughs> like a sack of potatoes. What the I hell love is this going country this so fair? much. So, so that's incredible. I'm not the most entertaining thing at this fair by far, but um, <laughs> wow, what My the goodness. hell? God, county fairs. That, that, that's uh, that's that's the next. That's uh, wild, man. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Okay, we're gonna have to have you back on the show to just talk about county <laughs> fairs. Oh, I would be happy. To, I, don't even, I don't even mention juggling. It's a whole world. <laughs> I would love to have an episode where you come on and your only goal is to not mention juggling once. <laughs> it's like the, the postman bit all over again. I'll, I'll do that. Just talk about the post office for uh, for a podcast. Oh my god! I'll so do. you have to separate the uh, that's first some Andy class Kaufman shit. The ultralight stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> you have your pre-sort standard, your first class, and your second. Anyway, Brian, you want you want to plug one more time? <laughs> What's that? You want to plug one more yeah, time sure. for this new episode? That's Post totally Check me out there. the next yeah, week. Yeah, you can go to the the uh, the the the. Oh my God, what branch was it? The Westerville uh, Westerville East branch of the Columbus Post Office <laughs> on six three one six Nicholas Drive. Um, I don't know if this is okay, but I'm gonna let it. My happen. manager's name. Whoa. I don't know if we can That's do not that. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> His name was Daryl. 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, the the key code entry for the door is. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Mike. great. <laughs> Got it. Cut it you can off. find me on Instagram at Brian throws up. Brian with an I throws up like <laughs> vomiting. I don't know, juggling. It's incredible. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Uh, as always, if you have anything that you want to see us cover on this show, we absolutely will. You can send us your suggestions. Our email is entertainthispodcast at gmail.com. If you don't like typing in emails, I get it. You can go to our website. We are entertainthis.net. Scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a little questionnaire that you can fill out there. Send us your suggestions that way. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter. We are entertain underscore this. You can find us on Instagram. We are entertain this podcast. As always, entertain us so we can entertain you. And you can entertain this. We'll see you guys next Friday. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele, Michael Savoya, and Nick Mustakangas. Our debate moderator, showrunner, and resident fact checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rushable by Aaron Spencer, with additional interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.